Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. Hallelujah. Someone shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hey, that is not just some word that we say that we're speaking Christianese. There is actual power when we declare that word. We declare that God is worthy of all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. We can get the lights on and the lights up. JR, you got a chair? Okay, got you. Hallelujah. Come on in and take a seat, fellas. This morning, we are continuing on with the hope quotient. We got another panel for you guys. And this segment that we're talking about, and, and I, think it's, I think it's timely that we're doing this segment right now because of the time of year that we're in right now. We're coming to the end of the year. It's the holiday season. A lot of consuming going on, which means that there's a lot of people that are working right now. A lot of people putting in overtime and hoping to receive bonuses, hoping to, to be able to get gifts and put them under the tree and everything. And then sometimes what ends up happening is a lot of times we don't get those bonuses. A lot of times we get overlooked. We get overworked. We have more month left than we have money. And it gets frustrating. And so this segment that we're doing today is called Unleashing Hope in your career or in your workplace. Amen? How many of y'all could use a little hope unleashed in your workplace? I know I can. I don't know about you. Even if you're at home, mom, and, you, and, you, and you're, you're a homemaker, you, you, need some, you need some hope unleashed in your workplace. Amen? So today I have with me uh, Deacon Sean Hunter. He's going he's gonna to be on the panel, as you can see. Give it up. Brother Charles Hankins. And our awesome, dynamic youth pastor, John Butcher Jr., better known as J.R., J.R.A. So I got some questions uh, that, that we've, we've gotten from this study that we've been doing, the Hope Quotient. And I want to start off with this, because a lot of us still have a misconception of what hope is. A lot of us have the, the misconception that hope is just this untangible thing. It's like cotton candy. It kind of floats away. There's not really anything to it, but... I like what G.K. Chesterton said. He says, hope is the power of being cheerful in circumstances that we know to be desperate. Mm. But uh, we have some scriptures for you guys, so don't think that this is going to be like, you know, a Dr. Phil uh, type situation. It's not. No, we are, we're going to be going through some scriptures, and we're going to be talking about practical ways of unleashing hope. Amen? Um, so Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 through 24, real quick, um, I think we have that, that slide. Do we have that? Yes, here it is. All right. Um, Colossians 3, 23, if I can read that, thank you. Whatever may be your task, work at it heartily from the soul as something done for the Lord and not for men. That tends to be our biggest mistake is that we do things, we think that we're doing things for men. Sometimes we're, you know, we, we don't want the boss to be on our back. 
So we do good enough to keep the boss's eyes off of us, right? But here it is, we see in Scripture, it's saying, don't do things as you're doing it for men. Verse 24, knowing with all certainty that it is from the Lord and not from men that you will receive the inheritance, which is your real reward, the one whom you are actually serving is the Lord Christ, the Messiah. Amen? So with these gentlemen here, I want to ask you guys some questions, all right? So first off, Jr. I want to ask you, you, and you can tell us what it is that you do. Um, JR, if and when you don't find hope at your workplace, how do you elevate the atmosphere nice. and bring hope into your work? Nice. Um, well, first and foremost, hi, everybody. How you doing? I'm back again. But um, not only am I um, a youth pastor here at the Building Christian Fellowship, I'm also over production here, too. That's why I'm always looking back at their like, come on, pay attention. Um, also, I've been blessed enough to start my own business. We've been, uh, Butcher Media Design has been a thing since 2018. Um, it was birthed actually by serving here at the church um, and being a part of building business here. So if it wasn't for the people that had businesses already that didn't pour into my life, there would be no business that I had for myself. But um, as far as, um, you know, finding hope in a workplace and seem like it has hope, I would take, have you guys take into consideration that you know, we said it before in our church a lot of times that your future doesn't look like this. And I think a lot of times we get caught up in circumstances and we get caught up in what's going on right now that we forget that our present is usually something that we prayed for in our past, right? Most times more than not, we prayed for this job. Most times more than that, we didn't have this job in the first place, but praise God, we got to this place. But at the same time, you know, we don't, we don't even work with a mindset that we don't have a hope that we hold on to. And because you have that hope, you go into your workplace with something that somebody else doesn't got. I have my hope in Jesus. So, hey, I know it looks like this, but I know it can get better. I'm going to be future-minded. And because I have this hope, my actions reflect that. So rather than showing up like, ho-hum, I'm going to do enough just to get by. No, I'm going to do my best because I'm doing unto the Lord. I know that my, 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 my boss might, might not be doing the uh, right things all the time, but I'm going to do the right things because of what God has told me to do. And so that's how you can, you know, practically you know, deposit hope in a, an environment that doesn't have hope in the first place. Amen. Brother Charles, can you, can you share with us what you do and tell us how and when, you know, how you unleash hope in your workplace when it seems like there's no hope? Well, that's a great question. Um, Charles Hankins, a.k.a. Chris Rock. I know you guys are thinking it. <laughs> um, well, uh, I work in law enforcement, and I've been doing it for about 15 years now, and now I've had the chance to actually work in management and law enforcement. So over the past, you know, couple of years, you know, throughout what's everything that's going on with law enforcement in our community, it's been pretty tough um, depositing hope into that environment because you're dealing with individuals who every day they're, they're told that their job doesn't mean nothing. They want to be defunded or they want their job to be taken away. So that's a hard environment for individuals to work in. Yet we are trying to make our community better. But in the same time, that's hard for people to work at by getting beat up every day. Right. So one of the ways that I start to bring hope into our environment, the Bible calls us to be the salt of the earth. Right. And it's called for us to do things in secret and do things like Jr. talked about, serving not unto people, but unto the Lord. And one thing that I started doing is I started to um, 
praise my team. So when they do something good, I would deposit that little bit of hope, knowing that I see that you're doing your job well, and actually publicly honor them for what they're doing well. So not knowing that, you know, people in the background are saying different things, but I'm depositing that hope daily with them, um, trying to be that atmosphere changer, right? Um, I was always told if you didn't like your environment, it's up to you to change it, right? So it only takes one person to build that hope and plant those little bit of seeds because as they grow, I'm going to need hope too, and then I can eat from that same hope. Fire, fire, fire. Man, you said, you said a whole mouthful with that. Uh, Brother Sean, Deacon Sean, tell us what it yes, is sir. that you do. And, man, this dude is, I don't know if y'all know, but Sean is an evangelist at heart, right? This dude has a heart for, for sharing the gospel, studying the gospel and sharing it. So, Sean, tell us about what it is that you do and how you unleash hope in your workplace. Yeah, for sure. So, um, I'm an electrician. Uh, I, just like uh, Charles, I've been doing it for about 15 years now, and now I'm at the point to where it's more of a management side to it. And um, it's not necessarily a field where there's a lot of godliness necessarily. Uh, just about anything that's out there, I've heard it. Um, I've been in residential, commercial, and mostly industrial work, so... There's a lot of craziness that goes on, a lot of craziness that goes on in the, on the work spot. But um, as far as unleashing hope, um, Charles kind of hit it on the head where it's like um, we have the Holy Spirit and that gives us the power to control our environment. So the environment might be a certain way when I walk in, um, but it changes the moment I walk in because I bring the Holy Spirit with me. So that being said, that power, um, I don't always like the environment when I get there. Um, it is most of the time a place where, you know, your supervisors, a lot of people are good with just cussing you out. They don't like what you say. They cuss you out. They fire you. Oh, spin this guy, you know, just give it of him. Or it's very aggressive. Everybody is very aggressive towards one another. Um, but that just gives you an opportunity to even shine a light even brighter because you can go in there and instead of trying to tear people down, you can try to build them up. You know, um, if you're working with people who seem like they're hard to work with, other people can't seem to work with them, they can't get along, um, it's easier to just get rid of them. But if you can be that person who can build up the people around you, um, like Charles said, you know, uh, praise the things that they do right and um, start to teach them, start to train them. Um, start building um, other people who can do what you can do, not be uh, ran by fear. Because I think a lot of people get out in the workplace and they're afraid of losing their job. They're afraid to teach the next guy. They're afraid to do certain things. Or they're afraid of uh, getting in trouble if they report something. Um, but if you can foster an environment where you're getting rid of fear and uh, allowing uh, yourself to build other people around you up, I think that builds the hope and um, just being honest about who you are. Um, I don't go to work and shy away from saying that I'm a Christian. You know, I don't, doesn't necessarily mean I have to push it on them constantly, but, you know, oh, this is what you do on your weekends? Well, this is what I do. I go to church and I spend time with my church family. Um, you know, just being that honest with them allows them to know and allows them to start watching you and watch how you behave. So that changes the environment. 
That's awesome, man. That's, that's, that's dope. Can y'all clap up for that? It's, about, it's, a not, it's not about being a thermometer. It's about being a thermostat, right? Right? A thermometer just takes the temperature and just adjusts to what's going on in the environment. But being a thermostat, you get to control the environment and the atmosphere. Amen? And that's what God's called us to do, man. So, so you're developing a culture of hope through building people up, edifying them, sharing, sharing the gospel with them, um, doing your work as unto the Lord, right? Um, so what are some unique factors or personal strengths, abilities, gifts that God has given you to do your jobs well? What about, what about you, Charles? Well, um, one of, well, a couple of my strengths <laughs> are um, I'm approachable. So I feel like anybody can approach me because, you know, I got a beautiful smile. Um, and that's huge in law enforcement. It, though. it, it is. I mean, it, I try to make people feel welcome when they meet me. So not just by my words, but by my presence, my demeanor. Uh, I'm very calculated in like how I present myself to others because um, that might be the first person that they're able to talk to freely just by you being a welcoming person. Um, one of the other things I do is because I'm approachable. Uh, the level that I'm at in law enforcement, it's a title where sometimes it, it could be kind of intimidating to come talk to me. So I try to set the atmosphere that anybody can approach me and I'm just like you. I'm no different. And sometimes in life we need to know that we're no different. We all struggle. We all go through things, but we do it together. Uh, another thing is that um, I, I try to de-escalate situations. I'm good at de-escalating situations. And um, I think that's really important in our, our environment because if you're unable to de-escalate it, then you're never able to come to a resolution. And when you're able to come to a resolution, you can build relationships and build rapport with people and pour out that hope that we're trying to talk about right now to the individuals that we're, uh, we're dealing with. And the last thing I would say is being able to um, really uh, ease the ice with my humor. And then also, there was one other one I had. What, what did I have? I'm trying to think what I... Well, so it's, it's good that you said, yeah. like, just what you touched on so mm -hmm. far, is, I think is huge and, and it's something that a lot of people overlook, especially in the workplace, because there's one thing that came up in, in this study where they talked about how they had to let somebody go from their staff yeah. because even though they were great and talented, that every time they did their job that they'd have to come and clean up relational glass. Yeah. And I don't know about you guys. I know when the glass breaks and it shatters, there's a lot of pieces that you have to clean up and pick up. And what, what really stinks about that is that if you get a job done and you get the task done that you want to get done, that you have to go back and you have to do all of this cleaning up and all of this, this, you know, this repair and, and all of these things just because somebody... And the, basically, at the end of the day, the juice wasn't worth the squeeze, right? And so um, it's, it's important to be able to be approachable. And these are things... These are just small things, just being kind and courteous to somebody, right? These are things that are, are definitely overlooked. Um, what, about, what about you, Sean? Uh, so... Um... I think some of the skills, I wouldn't necessarily call them unique. Um, I think it would just really be uh, just working, just being willing to work. Uh, I think there's so many people out there nowadays who just aren't even willing to get the job done. And so it's not necessarily a unique skill. It's just a perspective change. Like you can change your perspective on what you're doing 
And uh, I know I had an issue one time where I would go back and tell, you know, my supervisor, oh, I couldn't do it. I couldn't get it. You know, I was trying to, you know, do something at work and I was trying to get it down. I was like, oh, man, well, I couldn't get it. And he just went, spent about 10 minutes and did what I was trying to do for maybe half an hour. And I, I just thought to myself, he's like, I said, how'd you do it? He said, well, I never went in there with the attitude of I can't get it done. You know, um, so just going in there with the attitude of, yo, I can get this done. It's going to get done. You know, um, when I was an apprentice, people used to, you know, I used to drive by and a, a journeyman used to tell me, hey, how many unfinished buildings do you see on the side of the road? You know, he said, you know, we're working on this, this building or whatever. How many unfinished buildings do you see? Regardless of what happens to you, you're going to, you know, you could get laid off. You could get fired. You could die. Something could happen. But they're going to finish this with or without you. So, you know, I just decided to be the person that they finish it with. So just be a finisher. Amen. That's good. Be a finisher. You guys are great. Both of you guys are great. Um, I know this sounds... <laughs> I know this sounds like super kind of like, well, duh, you work in a church, but I feel like the Lord has given me a heart to serve. And the only reason why I say that is because not only has it translated, you know, obviously serving in the church, but it's translating into my business as well. I mean, obviously, you know, for those of you guys that run a business, you know, generally you're always trying to sell something, sell a service, sell something that you can do. But I think having the mindset of serving the person rather than trying to selling the person makes the job that much more effective. Um, also, I, 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 for those that know me, like I, I, I really have a heart of doing things excellent. Like I want to make sure that it's done well, um, not because, you know, I kind of have this little perfection thing about me. But honestly, where it comes from is just. I want to do it so that it can open up more doors. And that's, that's generally what it's be, become. Like, if I've done this excellent, then it's opened up more doors for me in the future. Um, and not just, you know, doing what I can do to get by, but doing my best so that I can do better, if that makes sense. And so, besides that, um, just being able to pay attention to detail as well, too. Obviously, being able to edit videos or edit audio or to do different type of media things, paying attention to detail is very important. But also in ministry, being able to pay attention to detail when serving people and ministering to people is important, too. Because y'all know how it goes a lot of times when you come to church and come to public places. It's kind of like, hey, how you doing, sis? Oh, I'm doing good. Or, hey, how you doing, bro? I'm doing good, bro. I'm doing good. In reality, it's like you're not doing good. Kind of having that sensitivity. I don't know if you want to get super spiritual about it, but just having that discernment to be able to go, there's something deeper there being able to be sensitive to the spirit in that sense. And like, um, it's it allowed opportunities for ministry to happen, just being able to sit and listen. And I just praise God for the moments that he gives me to be able to say, to hear his still small voice to go, okay, this is where you need to operate. This is how you should do this, or this is how you should bless somebody, or this is how you should do blank, blank, blank. And so that's how it's helped me in my job. Amen. So this next question um, you know, when we think about careers, we think about when we t typically go into the career field, we have this idea of, like, success, right? We think that that uh, if we are able to attain a certain, you know, salary, that we're, we're going to uh, achieve some sort of success and everything. But a lot of times what a lot of people find is that when they reach what they call, quote, unquote, success, that there's not a whole lot of significance to it, right? We can We can be successful and not be, you know significant, have any significance in our life. So in asking you guys this question, um, being that success doesn't always mean significance in terms of legacy, where do you guys see yourselves 30 years from now? Like, what do you want to have accomplished 30 years from now? 
Anybody, anybody. Um, man, this is a great, I thought this was one of the best questions ever. You know, most people will talk about, you know, their career, they'll, they're, they'll talk about um, how much money they want to get. Um, but at the end of the day, when your life is over, none of that counts. Come on, man. Right? So one of the things that I want to get accomplished 30 years from now, if I'm, you know, still here to see it on this earth, is um, I raised two boys and I have a wife. Um, and I want to deposit in them, you know, the leadership that God's given me to be able to go out to the world and spread the gospel and to be leaders. Um, I want to know that my two boys are strong men that can lead other people and duplicate themselves as disciples. And by doing that, I know they're going to affect and change the community that they live in. And with my wife, um, pouring into her, encouraging her and her dreams and her hopes and everything like that, um, knowing that she's going to pour that out to everybody she encounters. And it's just a duplication process that goes over and over again to spread the love of Jesus. And it's the hope that we're talking about. Amen. We serve a generational God, man. That's why we're asking this question. JR. Um, we talk about this often, shameless plug. <laughs> Watch me develop podcasts. But um, to me, when it comes to legacy, it's super important. One of the things that I experienced um, after the passing of my grandfather is he's able to leave us all an inheritance. And not that it was about money or finances or anything like that, but I've come to realize that you know, your legacy is basically you standing on the shoulders of the ones that came behind you. And my goal as a, as a youth pastor, as a business owner or whatever, is to make my shoulders be able to be stand upon, if that makes sense. So I'm trying to create as many opportunities as I possibly can for young people to learn from my mistakes, learn from the mistakes that I've learned from so that they can be better than the generation before. Um, and I also feel as, as though, too, like um, I want to make sure, especially this is a great vehicle, especially as a youth pastor, to do this in the fact that, you know, I don't just want kids, you know, because, you know, people can go on many different, you know, uh, career paths. They can go to school. They can learn a trade. They can go into law enforcement. They can go into the military. There are many different ways to do it. But ultimately, my goal um, as a man of God, not just as a pastor, not just as a business owner, but as a man of God, is to help people understand and how to fulfill their purpose in God. Because in that is where you'll find fulfillment, not a job or a career or, or a degree or anything that you do. I think through that, that comes with the territory. So when I learn how to fulfill my God-given purpose is where I find my career, if that makes sense. And so I think in instilling that, instilling that, hey, the basis, no matter where you work, no matter where you go to school, no matter where you find your trade, is that if your relationship with God is intact, he'll lead you in all things and where he wants to lead you. And so I think about like a, like a Paul, for instance. Paul went everywhere, did everything, had particular craft that he had. He was a tent, a tent maker. And thinking about all the things that knew, all the people that he knew, you know, it wasn't the fact that, you know, he was just Paul the tent maker or Paul the apostle, but he was led by God to do the things that God called him to do. And that's where he became the most fulfilled. He ran his race and he finished it. And so, Amen. Sean. Yeah, um, when it comes to that legacy and the fulfillment, uh, I, you know, I definitely agree with these two gentlemen. It's, it's more so about um, what happens outside of work, you know, um, we're all fathers up here, uh, you know, the kind of legacy I want to leave for my kids is just of being a loving and godly father, a loving husband, you know, uh, that type of example, because uh, you can make all the money in the world, but, uh, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of people in my life who've made a lot of money and then have 
destroyed and broken families. And I just don't want to be in that category. <laughs> so it's really just about loving Jesus and being able to affect lives that way. Uh, the, my Part of my testimony is just, you know, I got saved based on somebody's legacy. You know, I, I went to a funeral of a bishop at a church, and I think, you know, I was never really impressed by the things that they had because they didn't have a whole lot or whatever, but I was impressed by the amount of people and the amount of love that were there at that funeral. And I was just like, wow, this guy did something that I don't know about. This guy, you know, impacted lives in a way that I know nothing about. And so I wanted to learn that. I wanted to understand that better for myself. And that's, you know, how I ended up, you know, going and building a, a relationship with Christ. So to leave a legacy like that and to leave a legacy where my, my kids and, you know, even my coworkers, you know, the people that I'm around, that I influence, can look at me and say, oh, yeah, he was a, you know, he was a man of God. He, you know, at least did his best to try and follow Christ, then that's, that's the type of legacy I think is most fulfilling at the end of the day. Amen. I heard somebody once say that, that the, the greatest legacy is not what you leave for them, but what you leave in them, right? And um, that's, that's awesome, man, to hear you guys share that. So um, continuing on in, in the career uh, conversation, uh, my next question is, every job has a pay-the-rent unfun part, right? Can everybody agree with that? Every job has a pay-the-rent unfun part, but what kind of work tends to lift your spirits, and what do you absolutely love to do? How about you, uh, uh, Charles? Man, uh, well, I love people. Um, believe it or not, I, I love people. Um, I love to be around people. I love to interact with people. And um, one thing, if anybody knows about me, you know, you might catch me in my garage tinkering with things, um, or you might catch me trying to put something back together that's broken or needs repair. But I treat everything like that in life. So whether it's in my current career or whatnot, if I see something that is broken or if I see something that needs repair, I immediately have a heart for it. So I immediately have a heart to try to create a system to identify issues that are going on and to fix what's going on to make it more efficient and make it work correctly. Um, so whether that's a person, place, or thing, I try to do that constantly. And I just think that's what God does for us is when he sees us broken, he creates systems, people, to help us repair us. Or he creates a church atmosphere to help repair Growth us. Groups. Growth groups. Yep. Uh -huh. Yes. Good plug. Um, uh, or he helps us uh, identify the things that we kind of need. And that's where I'm at. It's like I see things sometimes that other people don't see. And I says, I can fix that. Even if some people might think it's the weakest link, I like taking the weakest link and making it strong. Because our weakest link is our best part of our team. So no matter who's the strongest or who's the weakest, we're all as strong as our weakest link. So if we're not identifying who's the weakest link or what is the weakest link in our, in our armor and not trying to repair that, then we're just making ourselves look bad. Boy, you got game. Jim's game right there. Sean, what about you? We know that there's the, the pay the rent unfun part, but what, what is it that, that lifts your spirits? What do you like doing? What do you love to do? Okay, so 
Um, when I was thinking about this, a uh, certain scripture came to mind. It's in Ecclesiastes. So it says, so I decided there's nothing better than to enjoy food and drink and find <laughs> satisfaction in work. Then I realized that these pleasures are from the hand of God. So um, this kind of goes back to the perspective thing, you know, just finding pleasure in work, you know, uh, and realizing, you know, sometimes that's, that's God's gift to you. And just realizing that even though there's certain things that I despise having to do at work or whatever, um, this is God's gift to me. Like, this is part of fulfilling who God called me to be. Um, and it is just the, the thought of, you know, this is what God is using right now to provide for my family um, and to allow me to give to the church and everything. And so that actually motivates me to want to do it and want to do it well. Um, as well as, you know, one of the big things for me has been serving here. Um, since I started at this church and since I began, began serving, um, I mean, I've progressed in my career and I contribute a lot of that to the service I've done here. Um, I've learned so many skills and so many, uh, so much just work ethic and um, even the taking responsibility for things, you know, having people that I'm accountable to, um, it all has benefited me in my work life. And it's kind of crazy how, you know, maybe, you know, somebody here will believe in me and put me in, in, in a type of leadership position to where I might have to do certain things or tell somebody certain things or have uncomfortable conversations. Hmm. And, uh, you know, then God will allow me to be a, at a place in my workplace to where the same thing is happening. And I find myself falling back on the skills that I've learned here. I find myself falling back on the skills that I've learned you know, um, during growth groups or during EHR, oh, on, <laughs> you know, um, because all of that stuff is real life stuff. Uh, it, it seems very fictional sometimes when we're here. It seems churchy or spiritual. But uh, then when you get out into the workplace, you get out into the world and you realize, oh, no, what do I do? And if you've been studying, <laughs> you've been studying and you've been You've soaked yourself in what we have here. You realize I can fall back on this. And that within itself brings out a joy in me like, wow, I'm seeing God move right here. And in, in the things that I didn't want to do originally in the pay the rent stuff, like I'm, a, I'm able to see God use what I've learned. And that brings me joy, just, you know, seeing that God's movement in my life. So that's kind of how I deal with that. Amen. I, yeah, man, that's... That's great that you say that about about perspective, because I know for me, there's been times where I've, I've been at work and I'm like, man, I'm, I'm miserable here. So I might as well make the devil miserable and talk about Jesus to somebody. You know what I'm saying? At, at the end of the day, I might as well just go ahead and share the gospel. Since I'm going to be miserable here, I'm going to make the devil miserable or make my coworker that don't want to hear about it. But you know what I'm saying? But uh, nonetheless, Jr. tell us, I know we see you doing a lot around here, man. Um, you do. You make these these beautiful visuals and all that kind of stuff, man. You make the church look good on social media and stuff like that. And we automatically think that that's, you know, that's what your life is all about. That's what you love. But like, what do you really love doing? First and foremost, I have a great team here at the building. Come on, We get a production team right now back there. Joe, Judah stepping in on media, Jalen, Jackie Biggins handling the social media. But 
I think the unfun fun part about it, I'm going to parallel this with both portions of my work. Um, when it comes to my media business, the unfun part about the work is the editing and the filming, believe it or not. Um, people are thinking, like, you must love holding a camera. I'm like, not necessarily. But what I like is, is the finished product. So I like the fruit of the, all the hard work that happens. Now to parallel that with ministry, one of the hardest part about working about with people is the confrontation. Now I know a lot. I know a lot of times, you know, people say, you know, you shouldn't be afraid of confrontation. But I hate having those conversations because I'm. I try to be lovable, the approachable guy, like Charles is talking about. But paralleling that with the work of media, the the work of confrontation, I like the fruit that comes from it. It's being able to stay unified and still have real, real relevant relationship. And one thing I want to share too is that confrontation, believers, confrontation does not have to go without the fruits of the spirit. So you can have confrontation and still be kind. You can have confrontation and still be long-suffering. And so I think a lot of times we forego, especially in a workplace when we have a career and we think, oh, well, church and my job is separate. No, it's you're, you're the same. You're the common denominator in those two different things. And it's so how are you going to bring the fruits of the Spirit to that confrontation? And I felt that putting in the work of having a gospel-centered life, gospel-centered um, um, conflict resolution is what's been able to bring fruit out of relationships that didn't seem like they were uh, repairable. Or maybe there was an offense that happened and um, we didn't think that we'd ever be friends or family again, but, you know, God brings beauty out of ashes. Like, I'm not having this confrontation or I'm having this conflict resolution to make things go back to the way that they were, that God can build it and make it better than it was before. And that's the beauty and the fruit that I like to see is like, man, God, you can make new things. <laughs> you make beauty for ashes. You know, the whole song. But it's just like, I just, I just, I love seeing those moments, and I appreciate the fact that God gives you those moments to kind of step back and look and say, and for me to see His hand in my life go, like you know, this wasn't redeemable. This wasn't something that you know we should have been, you know, blocking each other on social media or something like that. And yet God built something into something better. And so, Amen, Amen. So my last question to you, to you gentlemen, um, is. How can we take advantage of opportunities disguised as hard work? Because there's there's that saying I can't remember who said it, but it says a lot of people pass up or opportunities pass them by because they look like hard work. So, how do we take advantage of those things, those opportunities? Hi. So. Uh... I think the first thing I, I kind of want to say, too, is like I know we're talking about careers and jobs and all that, but um, just remembering what the number one job is. It's, um, you know, yeah, I go to work as an electrician or, you know, you know, in a management position or he's a police officer. But, you know, the, my real job is I'm a minister of Christ. So keeping that in perspective, like it's, it's not... You know, when I show up to work, I'm not an electrician first. I'm a minister first. So being able to remember that, um, that, that God comes first. So when you put the work of Christ before the work that's going on, being willing to stop production a little bit because you got a coworker that you can pray for um, makes a big difference. And so with that perspective... Um, when you go to it and you see something that's an opportunity that looks like hard work, uh, really just don't be afraid of work. 
just don't be afraid of hard work. Like, God calls us to do hard things. You know, the cross was hard, was heavy. I'm sure it was, you know. Um, and if you're not afraid to do the things that uh, God calls us to do, when God's calling you to do it, you'll just, you'll get at it. You won't miss those opportunities if you're being led by the Spirit. Um, you know, we say it all the time, accept responsibility. And so when I hear accept responsibility, that means I'm going to go ahead and take on, you know, responsibilities that I don't necessarily feel like should be mine. Um, you know, I'm not going to try and take on too much. Um, I'm going to try to divvy out the things that I need to. But um, if, if you see that somebody needs to step up and there needs to be a leader in the workplace, it has nothing to do with being an introvert or extrovert or anything like that. It just has to be... Uh, just something that has to do with being willing to get things done and um, listen to the spirit. And um, that'll allow things to happen when they're supposed to happen. You won't miss those opportunities that you, you know, worried about. Amen. Amen. If I can piggyback on Deacon Sean, what he said, um, something that I've learned and something I share with my own children is that just because something is hard or difficult, or seems impossible, doesn't mean that you can't get it done. And I think a lot of times when we see challenge or when we see things that are hard that we kind of give up, like, well, I can't do it because it's not going to take two steps. This time it might take 10 steps, but you can get it done. And I think that when we have this mindset of, you know, well, I've never done this before, or this is something out of my scope, or this is something I've never done before, then we give up. But, you know, if God has called you to it, you know, all things are, are possible with him. And so just have that encouragement in mind. I know there might be some situations in your job that seem like they can't be overcome or jobs that you can't get done, but just believe if God has called you to it, he's given you the provision to get it done. Amen. I think one of the biggest things, uh, antidote, is that the correct word, Donald? (laughs) (laughs) Um, For uh, hard work um, is preparation. Um, And I think sometimes we lack preparation, and that's what intimidates us about hard work. Um, and when you're preparing correctly, um, like you're spending time with the Lord, you, you are understanding um, the, the path that you need to go in, what it takes to do, and constantly work hard at that. That pours out, like Sean says, EHR and EHS, you know, I'm, I use it on my guys all the time. They don't even know what it is, but it's preparation, you know, and it's the little things that we, we prepare ourselves for life for when it does happen, when the opportunity does present itself, we're ready. And um, that's what I try to do is uh, prepare myself, um, never knowing when the opportunity might present itself to be in a situation and continually knowing and being open to always learn is, is one of the biggest keys for me for our work. Amen. Amen. That was a good answer, man. Um, you guys gave some really great answers as we're, as we're wrapping things up and coming to a close. Um, I just wanted to leave you guys with this. This is a great segue into this, this, this closing, um, is that, that Charles mentioned prepared, preparedness, being prepared. And so, like he said, there's some key things that he said in being prepared. Like one of them, spending time with the master, are you spending time with the Lord? Like, are you even saved? First of all, I mean, like, if we're not spending time, if we're not spending time with the Father, we have to ask ourselves, like, am I really saved? Because that's a mark of, of someone who's saved is that we spend time with the Father. That's what Jesus did. That's what we were saved for. We were saved to spend time with him. Amen. And so um, a couple of the, the, 
the the keys of being prepared to unleash hope in your in your career, but just unleash hope in your life. One of the things that they mentioned was to arrive with energy. Arrive with energy. Like we can find beat up, broke down people left and right, but someone who arrives with energy is always going to stand out. If I show up, if we show up here for the huddle and we're beat up, what kind of service you think we're going to have? Right? We don't have a beat up, broke down service. Right? When you see somebody coming that's discouraging from a mile away, you, you, you tend to want them to stay a mile away. You, don't, you, ain't, you ain't looking for them with open arms to come in and join. Because why? Because misery loves company. So arrive with energy. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 5, tells us that it, it's, it's, there's many different gifts and talents and abilities that we've been given. They've all been given by God. God has given us all our talents and our gifts and our abilities, and we're to put them to use, even in our workplace, not just in church, not just for ourselves, but for his glory. And when we do that, it's him that's energizing us. It's him that's energizing us and empowering us and inspiring us to do the work and get it done. Like Brother Sean's been driving home. Stop starting and start finishing. We need finishers, right? The next thing that they said was to lead with passion. Why? Because passion is what sets culture. Passion is what sets culture. Ecclesiastes 11.6 tells us to not let our hands be idle. Don't let our hands be idle. If we're sitting around waiting for perfect conditions, we'll never get anything done. If you're sitting there waiting for somebody in your workplace or somebody around you to, to be encouraged or to encourage you, it, it's, it's not going to happen. You need to be the encourager. I don't know if you guys recall the story about David when David and his camp were out handling their business. They weren't doing anything wrong. They were handling their business and their camp got raided by, by Ziklag. Their, their camp got raided and their women and their children were taken off captive. And when they got back to the camp, the men were so devastated and upset. And they got upset with David to the point where they were actually murmuring and complaining to the point where they were actually contemplating whether we, we should take him out because this is his fault. And when David saw that, it says that David went off on his own and got his prayer garments. And it says that he encouraged himself in the Lord. He encouraged himself in the Lord. We have to be in a position like that. Yeah, you might have a job that is, is very trying, is very, very uh, uh, challenging. You might have an environment that's toxic and, toxic and polluted. But I guarantee you, if you put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that it'll be like a hazmat suit when you walk into that toxic environment, that you'll be able to do marvelous and wonderful things because you have the presence of the Lord with you. Last but not least, it says to stay positive under pressure. How many of y'all ever made poor decisions when you were in a downtime? That's the temptation of the enemy for us to make quick decisions when we're in a downtime. But if we can stay positive under pressure, Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7 tells us, says, do not be anxious or worried about anything, but in everything, every circumstance and situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, continue to make your specific request known to God. And the peace of God, that peace which reassures the heart, that peace which transcends all understanding, 
that peace which stands guard over your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus is yours. That's a promise to pray about everything and don't worry about anything and make your request known to God because peace will be yours when you do that. If you ain't praying before you, you going into work, I don't know what you're, what you're doing. Because I know I got to pray every time I, every time I open my eyes, I got to pray. Just to make it through the day, I have to pray. And I'm going to close with this. Oswald Chambers said this. He says, the degree of panic activity in my life is equal to the degree of my lack of personal spiritual experience. When we pray, when we close the door, when we go into, secret, into the secret place with God, that's not just a quiet time. That's, that's not just a time out. That's a, a holy moment. It's a spiritual encounter that we take part in where we are changed. You might get up off of your knees praying and feel like nothing's changed, but there's been a change that's taking place. Even though you might not feel it, though you might not see it, there's been a change that's taking place because when you pray the word of God, when you declare the word of God, that God's word does not come back to him void. It goes out and does exactly what he sent it out to do. Amen? And in words of... of the whole thing about the relational glass situation is we need to be peacemakers and not troublemakers. First Thessalonians 4.11 tells us to lead a quiet life, minding your own business. M-Y-O-B. But lastly, we need to add value. Do you realize how different things would be if we all came with the attitude, you know what, I'm going to add value to the person that's next to me. If I add value to the person that's next to me, if I'm not worried about what it is that I can get, if I'm not being Jimmy, Jimmy, give me all you can give me, but I'm going to be a giver, I want to add value. Proverbs, I believe 27, 17 tells us that iron sharpens iron. Just as a man sharpens a man, iron sharpens iron. And that's what we're here to do. That's why it's important for us to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. I know that this, this, this portion in this message in this panel was about unleashing hope in your career, but I want to flip this on its head. And I want to challenge each and every one of us to make our career unleashing hope. It's great to have hope unleashed in your career, but it's a whole nother thing. Again, being that thermostat, being the one who changes the atmosphere, being the one who has impact in your sphere of influence, I want to challenge each and every one of us to make our career unleashing hope everywhere that we go. That way it's not just confined to the environment of our career. That way it's not just confined to the environment of our home. That way it's not just confined to the environment of these four walls that we call the church, but that when we go out into the community, when we go out into darkness, when we go into the hospitals, when we go into the marketplace, that we are unleashers of hope. One of my favorite movies is 300. One of my favorite movies is 300. And one of the things that was so great about it, what I liked so much about it was the Spartans, the Spartans knew what their profession was. They knew what their profession was. While, while the Athenians, while, while, while all the other surrounding areas had a profession of whether they were basket weavers, whether they were carpenters, whatever they were, that was their profession, and then they would go in times of war to go and do battle. But the Spartans said, our profession is battle.
that's our profession. That's what we, that's what we are professionals in. We, perfect, we, we, we profess to be nothing less than a warrior. And so I want to challenge us today that we are carriers of the presence of the almighty God. That we are agents of change and agents of faith. That we are unleashers of hope. Amen? Let's stand and give God glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Right now, I'm going to just make a couple of calls, just a couple of calls. We're going to make this real quick and real simple. If you don't know Jesus and you don't have a relationship, you're already behind the eight ball. You don't have hope. But I want to offer it to you today. There is room at this altar. If that's you, I want you to come up. And you can give your life to Christ. We'll pray with you. It's not about saying a prayer, but it's about coming and surrendering your heart and your life to him. Is there anybody in here that's like that that needs to give their life to Jesus this morning? I'm not going to make this long and drawn out. Everybody in here saved? All hearts and minds clear? Okay, so my next call is this. Maybe you've been, your, your energy has been sapped. Maybe you've been a troublemaker. Maybe you've been a complainer at, at, in your workplace. Maybe you've just been a complainer. Maybe you've had the wrong perspective of where it is that you are. Maybe you've put your hope and trust in your career and not in Christ, and you've misplaced it. You have a relationship with Christ, but you just have misplaced your hope. I want you to come to the altar and we'll pray with you this morning. Pray that you get your strength back. Pray that you get your energy back. Pray that you get your hope back and placed in the right place. If that's you, just come up so we can, we can take care of this and you can leave this place changed. Hallelujah. 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 Come on. Come on. This is not a platform. This is not a stage. This is the altar. This is where God comes to meet with you and change you and transform you. There's an alteration that takes place at the altar where you're changed from glory to glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Stretch your hands towards these lives. Heavenly Father, we thank you Almighty God, ruler of everything, creator of everything, we thank you that you would condescend to us. What is man that you are mindful of him? Father, we thank you that you have blessed us to be in the position that we are called your sons and daughters. We thank you for reconciling us unto you through your son, Jesus. Father, right now, we ask that you would forgive us. We repent for placing our hope in the wrong things, put, placing our hope in, our, in, our, in our, our bank account, placing our hope in our career, placing our hope in another person. Lord, we, we ask that you would realign our lives to put our hope back in you where it belongs. Father, we ask that you would change us. Change us from the inside out, Father. We thank you for being the author and the finisher of our faith. Father, we thank you right now that you are giving us renewed strength 
Father, that as we are praying right now, as we are, we are praying the word back to you, Father, as we are agreeing in prayer, that we know that we need not be anxious for anything. Father, we make our request known to you right now that you would dispense and administer your peace that surpasses all understanding, Father. We thank you that though the rains come and the winds blow, Father, that our house is built on the rock, the firm rock, Jesus Christ. That we will not waver, that we will not be moved by people's faces, that we will not be moved by people's opinion, but we will be moved by your spirit. For in him we live, in him we move, and in him we have our being. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for dwelling on the inside of us, resting upon us. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy, Lord, overwhelming and overtaking us. Father, that everywhere we go, that you, that you have given us authority. Father, everywhere our foot touches, that you give us authority, Father, that we would walk in boldness and courage, that we would shine our light in the midst of darkness, that we would not be intimidated by the darkness, but that we would lean into it and light it up. Father, I thank you that we don't need to trust in ourselves or lean to our own understanding, but we can trust in you, acknowledge you in every way that we go, that you would direct our path. Father, I thank you that you make our ears sensitive to hear what your spirit is saying to us and that we would promptly be obedient to the leading of your spirit. Father, we thank you for restoration. We thank you for redemption. We thank you for salvation. We thank you for building us up, renewing our strength and mounting us up on wings like eagles. Father, we keep our minds stayed on you that we might remain in perfect peace. Lord, I thank you for what it is that you've done in here today through us, encouraging us through your word, encouraging us and showing us how to be practical, uncomplicating everything, Father, and making it simple. Lord, I thank you that you have called us for such a time as this to be your witnesses, Father. Father, I pray that you would embolden each and every one of us to go and share the gospel everywhere that we go boldly, Father. We thank you for putting a word in our mouth to speak in due season and at the right time. Father, we thank you. We bless you and we glorify you. In the name of of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Were you guys encouraged this morning? Are you guys full of hope this morning? You woke up, now get your hopes up. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you guys for, for coming and worshiping with us this morning. As, I, as, as we dismiss, please repeat after me. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. Oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all go with God. We'll see you guys next time. That's all the time we have for this episode of the Annex Podcast. But we encourage you to get connected with us by downloading and using our TBCF app today. Or you can visit our website at tbcf.life. That's tbcf.life. Until next time, 
Thanks for stopping by to the Annex Podcast. <laughs>